And if you would open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 28. join with me in prayer. Father, as we are opening your word, as we are preparing to hear it read and proclaimed, I ask again that you would be our teacher as you have promised to do. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to believe um, your word and help us to focus our attention this morning on Jesus Christ, the Lord and giver of life. We ask in His name. Amen. Just like in Florida, football is king in Georgia. And I grew up in Georgia. In fact, I started both ways uh, on offense and defense on a state championship team. I grew up in this little small town of Palmetto, Georgia. It's about 20, 25 miles southwest of Atlanta. Um, actually very near to, to where Betty Garden grew up. And Palmetto had a population of 3,500 people. But on Friday nights when we played football, there were over 5,000 people at our games. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution was always writing articles about us, and they called us a dynasty. I tell you, I tell you this to give you some inkling of how foolish I was as a teenager. <laughs> I believed I was king of the world. You know, in Palmetto, if you were a football player, you know, you were treated like a king. And basically, I was self-centered. I was arrogant. I was godless. I believed in God generally, but I really worshipped and served the Trinity of me, myself, and I. And I did not know it at the time, but God had placed His love on me, and He had placed His love on me in eternity past. And as I followed my own ignorant pursuits of pleasure, God was involved in my life in ways that I was not aware. In spite of my sin, even through my sin, God was orchestrating my life to prepare me for the day that He would draw me to Himself. Uh, for example, and I think I, I've shared, I must have shared this at, at some point or another uh, over the years, I met the person who led me to Christ, and I met the person, another person, who mentored me as a Christian, and I also met my wife, all at Georgia Southern College. Now, how did I end up at Georgia Southern College? Well, I went to Georgia Southern College because I had found out that this girl that I had a crush on was headed to Georgia Southern and that her boyfriend wasn't going with her. <laughs> and so uh, she and I were the only ones from my graduating class that were going to Georgia Southern College. Full proof plan. <laughs> and she ended up not going to college. So I went to Georgia Southern um, all alone from my class. But God was there. 
And I tell you this, because God pursues people long before they pursue Him. In fact, that's an understatement. The truth is, nobody would ever seek God unless God first sought them. Jesus told His disciples, He says, You did not choose Me, but I chose you. And the same is true for us. The Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, he says, God chose us in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and His will. Romans 8, I'm sorry, Romans 5 verse 8 says, God shows His love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jacob was in the same situation as I was in. God loved Jacob and was at work in Jacob's life He was preparing Jacob for the day in which he would call Jacob to himself. But Jacob was totally unconcerned, totally unaware of what God was doing. It almost seems that he was was almost unaware that God even existed. Although I'm sure he had heard about God from, from Isaac, his father. It really made no no real difference in Jacob's life. The reason it, um, God made no difference in Jacob's life is Jacob cared about Jacob. And nothing we have learned about Jacob so far and for our visitors, we're going through Genesis. In fact, we may have been going through Genesis the last time y'all visited. <laughs> We've been here for a while. We're in Genesis chapter 28. Um... But nothing we've learned about Jacob so far in Genesis suggests that Jacob uh, loved God. The only thing we see is that Jacob loved Jacob. We've learned that Jacob was a liar, that he was a cheat, and that he was a manipulator. And because of his lies and his manipulations, he's hated by his brother. He stole his brother's birthright. Then he came along and, uh, and stole his brother's blessing. As actually, as I mentioned last week, um, it was Jacob's by right, um, but he went about getting that blessing in the wrong way by stealing it and lying to his father. Uh, so Esau, because Esau thinks that Jacob had stolen my blessing, um, Esau went about consoling himself saying, when my father dies, I'm going to kill Jacob. Rebekah, um, who was Jacob and Esau's mother, learned that Jacob was planning on, I'm sorry, Esau was planning on killing Jacob. So Rebekah did what she did best. She went and manipulated Isaac, her husband. Uh, it was really shameful the way Rebecca ruled the household with her web of deceptions. Or as we would say in the in a modern vernacular, it was not a good look for Rebecca. Um, look with me at the last several verses of Genesis chapter 27, verses 41 through 46. 
how Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are approaching, then I will kill my brother Jacob. But the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Laban, my brother, in Haran, and stay with him a while until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereft of both of you in one day? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I loathe my life because of these of the Hittite women. Because see, uh, Esau had married these Hittite women. Uh, if Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like like these, one of the women of the land, what good will me will my life be to me? So then Isaac sent Jacob to Padam Haram, where Rebekah had had grown up. Uh, he sent him there to Rebekah's brother, Laban. And so follow along as I read uh, Genesis 28, verses 1 through 5. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him, You must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. Arise, go to Paddan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take as your wife from there one of your daughter, one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. May He give the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you, that you may take possession of the land of your sojournings that God gave to Abraham. Thus Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Paddan Aram, to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob's and Esau's mother. Now, as he's sending Jacob away, Esau is watching all this happen. So he decides, I'm going to try and make things right. He's trying to make things right according to his own wisdom, according to his own strategy. And as we've learned with Abraham, as we've learned with Isaac, when you take matters into your own hands, when you try and do things your own way rather than trusting in the Lord, it never really works out. Typically, it brings a lot more sadness. So Isaac's watching, uh, I'm sorry, Esau is watching Jacob bless, Esau is watching Isaac bless Jacob. And uh, so he decides, well, I'm going to make things right. Verses 6 through 9. Now Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Paddan Aram to take a wife from there, and that he blessed him. And as he blessed him, he directed him, You must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. And that Jacob had obeyed his father and mother and gone to Paddan Aram. So when Esau saw the Canaanite women did not please Isaac and Isaac his father, Esau went to Ishmael and took as his wife, besides the wives he had, uh, Mahalalah, um, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister 
of Nebioth. This family is not a very happy family. Um, their most important communications amongst themselves, Re- Rebecca with Isaac, um, Isaac and Rebecca with Esau and Jacob. There's more lies and manipulation going on than than anything else. It's, it's, it's just not a very happy family. Uh, Ian Dugid said about Isaac's family, it seems that this was a family in which the plain, un- unvarnished truth was consistently in short supply. When you are telling lies within your family, when you're not being truthful with one another, it breaks the trust. And when the trust is broken, the relationships suffer. When the relationships suffer, disharmony and discord, strife comes into the home. When there's strife in the home, there's greater distrust. When there's greater distrust, you don't even believe when someone's telling the truth and then it's just it's a very unhappy situation. And this was this was Isaac's family. Meanwhile, Jacob left home and headed toward his uncle's house, which was about 500 miles away. And he didn't have a great caravan of camels with gifts like uh, Abraham's servant went when he went to find a wife for Isaac. Uh, It seems as if Jacob is all alone with only a bare minimum of traveling supplies. In fact, it says... um, in verses 10 and 11 that uh, he used a stone as a pillow when he uh, lay down to go to sleep. So look with, look with me at verses 10 through 13. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he came to a place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. He dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. Now the commentators seem to to think that Jacob's having some kind of crisis of conscience. And so that's why God appeared to him in a dream. It's almost like they think that that Jacob is feeling guilty because he lied and and, uh, manipulated his father. I don't see any evidence of this in the text. I, I simply see Jacob as he's off on his way he gets tired because he's walking or riding on a camel. I don't know. Uh, but he gets tired and, and the sun's going down so he, he lays down to sleep. He pulls a rock um, and, and uses it um, as a pillow. I don't see any regret being expressed by Jacob because of his lies and manipulation. I just see him going to sleep. I don't see him even being regretful that he had to flee. I certainly do not see him longing for God. 
But yet, God appeared to Jacob. This is amazing to me. Jacob does not have God on his mind at all. And yet, God approaches Jacob. This is free, unconditional grace. There is nothing in Jacob, nothing in his desires, nothing in his attitude, certainly nothing in his conduct in life that would recommend God to Jacob or recommend Jacob to God. This shows us God's grace. Jacob did not need to make himself worthy to be a recipient of God's grace. God came to Jacob while Jacob was still in his foolishness. Like the hymn says, Just as I am, poor, wretched, blind. When I was in Uganda, uh, a group of us uh, went out into the bush, and the bush is like the country areas. Um, and we came upon a mud hut, and there were about ten people sitting around the mud hut. And uh, they had all gathered together to drink some, some homemade brew. Uh, and they had been drinking, apparently, for uh, most of the afternoon. I didn't realize how drunk they were when, I, uh, when we stopped to talk about Christ. But as I proclaimed Christ... Uh, a woman stopped me and she asked me a great question. She was sitting right up front. She was older than the rest. She seemed to be a leader of maybe her, her hut. Um, but uh, in spite of her, her stupor and in spite of her continual belching, um, <laughs> I'm talking to her, uh, she, she came up with this great question. She says, why would God save me when I'm drunk? while you're preaching to me. And I responded to her, well, people don't generally clean themselves up to take a bath. Um, she, she needed to understand that she could come to Jesus even right there, even while she was drunk. And that Jesus would then be the one who cleans up her life, who would give her forgiveness of sins, who would change her life. It's very tempting to think, well, I've got to get this in order, I've got to get this in order, I've got to stop this habit in order that I can come to God. He's not going to receive me until I get my life in order. No, that is backwards. Or you hear people say, you know, if I came to church, you know, the church would cave in on me. The church is a hospital for sinners. You don't need to make yourself worthy to receive God's grace. Rather, you receive His grace in His Son, Jesus Christ. And God will change you. I am eager for you to see just how gracious God is. Just how gracious He is to Jacob, who is a lying, manipulating, self-centered, godless person. I want you to follow along with me 
as I read verses 12 through 15. I want you to notice here that there are no conditions attached to the promises that God is giving to Jacob. Uh, Jacob dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on earth, and the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Now listen to what God says. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. If your offspring, I'm sorry, your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I promised to you. There are no if-then statements. The only if-then is if you belong to, to Christ. All of His promises are yes and amen to you. If you belong to Christ, and look, look, look at verse 15. I'm going to walk us through verse 15 and bring us forward into with a, a New Testament uh, Christ-centered application. If you are in Jesus Christ, then God is with you. If you are in Jesus Christ, then God will keep you wherever you go. If you are in Jesus Christ, then God will bring you back if you wander astray. If you are in Jesus Christ, God will never leave you even if it feels like the whole world is against you. I know that many Christians feel like God is up in heaven with a daisy in His hand and He's picking the petals off the daisy. I love her. I love her not. I love Him. I love Him not. Depending on our obedience, let me tell you, God does not sit up in heaven with daisies. If anything, he sits up in heaven with a tulip. And he says, in spite of his or her unfaithfulness, in spite of her wholehearted or his wholehearted rebellion and sinfulness, I choose to place my love on him or her. I sent my son to die for his sins or her sins. I drew myself I drew her or him to myself by the power of my spirit and I will keep her and never let her go. Never let him go. No matter what. In fact, God stands by his promises even when we make a mockery of them. God gave these promises to Jacob. Unconditional, free, unbreakable promises. How would you expect Jacob to respond to these kinds of promises? 
going to look at verses 16 through 19. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had placed under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of that city was Luz at first. Beth meaning house, uh, El meaning God, so Bethel, the house of God. So far, so good. But then listen to what he says in verses 20 through 22. And Jacob made a vow, saying, Notice here, a conditional clause, an if. It starts with an if. God didn't give any ifs. God says, here's what I'm going to do for you. And Jacob starts his with an if. Okay, God, if you do this, then here's what I'll do for you. Verse 20, Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my Father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And then, for good measure, to close the deal, and all and of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. Jacob doesn't get it. God loves Jacob unconditionally. And Jacob still thinks that he's got to make the difference. Okay, God, that sounded good. I feel great. Now, if you really will do this for me, and you faithfully carry these these things out, then I will be your servant and you will be my God. Getting it completely backwards. Here's what I want you to see. God loved Jacob in spite of this complete foolishness. This foolishness that we see even in response to God's blessing. Even in response to God's uh, uh, promises. You know, you'd think that, okay, God's promised him these wonderful things and Jacob would just yield himself to God. And Jacob's still wanting to be in control. Okay, God, you do these things and then I'll let you be in control. Then you'll be my God. <laughs> That's astounding. God loved Jacob. This is a God of grace. Jacob continued for decades, or over, well over a decade, approaching a couple of decades in his sin, never trusting the Lord. We have no evidence, and we'll see it over the coming weeks. Sins continue to pile up to, to heaven itself. Wherever you find yourself today, even if you think your sins piled up to Pluto or maybe left the galaxy and left the, 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 um, the, 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 um, or, uh, the solar system completely, 
No matter your sins. No matter your lifestyle. Even if it is absolutely opposed to godliness. Even if you have habits that are opposed to godliness. Come to God. Entrust yourself to Him. He'll, he'll, he'll change you. That'll be His work. We were talking about a gracious God who loved Jacob well before Jacob ever loved him. Now, in conclusion, I want to try and astound you. Now, I gave so many hints earlier that you may have already picked up on it. Look at verse 12. And Jacob dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending upon it. First of all, before we go to the, where I really want to astound you, I, I do believe, and I mentioned this to the, the children when they were up, up front, the angels of God ascending, the angels of God descending, this was a, a picture that God gave to Jacob to say, I have sent my ministering spirit, my, my, ministering, my angels to be ministering spirits to you, to go wherever you go. Because He had promised Jacob, wherever you go, I will be with you. Jacob had a small view of God. He thought that this was the only place where God had a ladder. The only place where God could come down. The only place where the angels would be ascending and descending. And really the message was, Jacob, wherever you go, this ladder is going with you. Wherever you go, my presence is with you. Jacob, wherever you go, I will have my angels um, uh, serving you, protecting you, blessing you. But he had a small view of God and thought that this ladder was located here, and so he named it uh, Bethel, the, the house of God. This is the gate of heaven, he said. With that being said, turn over to John chapter 1, or if you want to take your bulletins out and use that, it doesn't matter. John 1. We'll begin with verse 45. Now Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. I believe he purposely referred to Nathanael in that regard to contrast him with Jacob. I've lost my place. Oh, verse 48. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? 
Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Where's the ladder? Where's the ladder? The ladder's missing. The angels of God are there, and they're ascending and descending, just like in in Genesis chapter 28. But there's no ladder. They are ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. In other words, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is referring to Himself by a messianic title. He's saying, I am the Messiah. And as such... I am the mediator between God and man. Applications. Jesus Christ left heaven, took on flesh to come here and be the mediator, to be the substitute, to become sin for sinners, to pay the price that we could never pay. And as such... He is our way to heaven. And so Jesus is saying here, I am that ladder. And the angels of God are ascending and descending upon Him. And they were ascending and descending to serve Nathaniel. Because Nathaniel trusted in Jesus Christ. And wherever you are, and whatever you're going through, if you are in Jesus Christ, God is with you. If you are in Jesus Christ, the angels of God are for you, ministering spirits sent to serve you because you will inherit salvation. If you are in Jesus Christ, I was telling the children earlier, you have nothing to worry about. If you are in Jesus Christ. You have all the blessings of God. All those blessings that God gave to Jacob without condition are yours in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You that every portion of the Scripture points to Jesus Christ. We don't have in every passage as clear um, a comparison as Jesus drew for us here in John chapter 1. But yet, at every point, on every page, in every chapter, we see the grace of God. We see the promises of God given to sinners. And we see them all fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for those who are like Jacob, still living in their foolishness. Father, I pray that You would teach them and convince them of Your love. Father, for those who feel like because their, hearts, their, their conscience is tender, they feel like they could slip away from You. Remind them that Your promises are without condition, that they are unbreakable. 
in Jesus Christ. Father, help us to turn our gaze anew upon Jesus Christ our Savior. We pray in His name. Amen.